Good morning and God's peace on this Epiphany Sunday. Our first hymn will be number 64, O God of God, O Light of Light. with joy. 
send forth thy light, O Lamb, once slain for sinful men, for Satan's bonds, O God of might, set all men free. Amen, amen. Sing to the Lord a glorious song. Sing to his name, his love forth down. Sing on hands most his praise prolong. Sing ye who now on earth do dwell. Worthy the Lamb for sinners slain. From angels praise and thanks from men. Worthy, O Lamb, and throne to reign. Glory and power. Amen. Amen. Let us begin our service in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our scripture reading is found in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 6. And we read in Jesus' name. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the bright. Lift up thine eyes round about, and see all they gather themselves together. They come to thee, thy sons shall come from far, and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. Then, shalt, then thou shalt see, and flow together, and thine heart shall fear, and be enlarged. Because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee, the forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. The multitude of camels shall, come, shall cover thee, the drum, drum, dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all they from Sheba shall come, they shall bring gold and incense, they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. Amen. Let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Almighty God, we come before you this morning thankful once again for the time that you give us to gather around your word. We pray that you would bless our fellowship and give us ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. Lord, we pray for those who are unable to be here with us this morning, those who are confined to hospitals, homes, and nursing homes. Lord, we remember Lincoln Brackey, Jamie Aho, Andy Toomberg, Al Hapasari, Lois Weary, Don and Bev Hagel, Linda Robin, Tammy Mersu, Steve Salo, Evan Candle, Barb Lund, Janet Blickenstaff, Deb Toomberg, Dean Walter, Ron Wallace, Ames and Jacqueline Bruin, Eugene Koskola, Doretta Olson, and Don and Vicealo. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless these people and these situations with your presence and help in their time of need. We also pray for those who mourn the loss of loved ones. We remember the family and friends of Tom Toomberg, Lucas Salguero, and anyone else who mourns. We ask, Lord, that you would Comfort us in our grief. Help us to cast our cares on you as you care for us. Lord, we pray that you would be with our nation, that you would bless our leaders and give them wisdom and guidance, that you would bless your people, 
that you'd be with those who put themselves in harm's way for us and help us when we have our own troubles in our lives. We ask, Lord, that you would be with those around the world who are suffering from war, violence, and we pray that you would bring an end to that. We pray with the hymn writer, God bless our foes and cause all eyes to see that peace, O Christ, can only come from thee. Lord, we ask that you would be with all those who share your word, all those who preach, and all those who bear it. We pray that you would make provision for it, that Jesus Christ would be lifted up, that repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name. We thank you for revealing this to us, and we ask that you would give us the grace to reveal him to others. We pray for our community. We ask your blessing upon it. We pray for our church. We pray for our husbands and our wives, our fathers and our mothers, our grandparents. We pray for our relationships. We pray for our children. We pray for our marriages, our families. We pray for those who are single. We ask that you would be with us where we're at and help us where we're at. We commend this service into your fatherly care, praying that in your mercy you would hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now hear us, Lord, as together we pray that most perfect prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hymn number 62, as with gladness men of old. As with gladness men of old did the guiding star behold, as with joy they hailed its light, leading onward beaming bright. So most gracious God may we evermore be led by thee as with joyful steps they speed to that holy manger bed there to bend the knee before him whom heaven and earth adore so may
grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text is found in Matthew chapter 2 and we'll be reading verses 1 to 12. And we read in Jesus' name. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor, that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Amen. Let us, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your word. We pray, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Yesterday was <clears throat> what we in the church call epiphany. It, is a, it was officially the end of Christmas. Epiphany is marked as the revealing of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. This is what the word epiphany literally means, revealing. When you get an epiphany, something has been revealed to you. And what we need to understand is, on this day... We commemorate this text, this time that these wise men came from the east to see Jesus. You see, they were Gentiles. And they came because they were looking at the stars and they saw the star that marked the birth of a king. And they decided that they were going to go and travel to worship him. And it's kind of an amazing thing, first of all, that 
Um, they would be versed enough in the placement of the stars in astronomy to be able to tell that something had changed or that this star marked the birth of the king and they wanted to go see him and give him gifts. It's also amazing that they would go and undertake such a journey. We don't know where they came from. We really know almost nothing about them. But we know that they decided to go and travel at least some kind of distance. I mean, you would think if it was closer, there would be a reference point. Um, a lot of people say they came from Babylon. And those people are quick to say that, well, maybe they were in a, a long line of students of the prophet Daniel. And that Daniel had told them about this star and it had been passed down from generation to generation. And then these magi came from the east, from Babylon, to go and worship Jesus after being instructed by the prophet Daniel. But we don't know that to be the case. We have no idea. It's just speculation. What we need to understand, too, is that the return of the Messiah is something that the Jews had been waiting for for a long time. And many people had been calculating his coming, almost like we see people trying to calculate the coming, his, his second coming in our day and age. Despite the fact that God has told us no one knows the day or the hour, it seems like there's not a day or hour that goes by, that there's not a new prophecy about when the world's going to end and when Jesus is going to return. The Jews were anxiously awaiting his birth. And so when these wise men show up in Jerusalem asking about it, um, they're able to give him the information that they have. You know, the scribes are able to say, well, Bethlehem of Judea, that's what the prophet says. And so Herod tries to trick them. Again, we don't know where these wise men are from or even how many of them are there. We usually depict three, but that's because they give three gifts. But who's to say it wasn't just a group of them with three gifts? We, we, we really don't know a lot about them. But they come to Jesus. They give the gifts. Herod tries to tell him, hey, when you find him, let me know where he is so I can go and worship him too. And they, not knowing Herod, perhaps believed him. But eventually, they find Jesus. Now, our pictures of the nativity scene with Jesus in the manger and um, the wise men there, um, it's kind of misleading because, I mean, it's fine to have those. I'm not saying tear them down or anything. I mean, well, now that Christmas is over, maybe you could, but that would be up to you. You could leave them up year-round if you want to as well. But... The idea of them being gathered around the manger with the shepherds and all of that just isn't very likely. The first reason is that the text itself gives us some information. The word that's used to describe Jesus um, when it says the child, well, that's, that's used to, to um, when they say go and search diligently for the young child, that word is used to describe someone who's at least a year old. Um, and, and that's what the 12 days of Christmas kind of symbolized, the time it would have taken the wise men to get there. So this idea that they're gathered around the manger probably isn't true. Joseph and Mary probably had their own place in Bethlehem at this point, um, or they were at his relative's house. 
And so they would have came and found him wherever they were um, and given him and presented the gifts to him. This was probably after he'd been presented at the temple to be circumcised, probably after he'd been um, presented at the temple after the manner of the firstborn, 40 days after, probably been about at least a year. Um, but, But do we really know how much time took place? No. And, and what we find is that with this and with very many other things, it's very easy for Christians to be caught up in what pop culture tells us about the Bible rather than what the Bible tells us itself. And the only remedy to, to this um, type of confusion is to become so familiar with the scriptures that nobody can tell us anything that we can't go and look at or hear not to be surprised by any of that. So these, they give Jesus three gifts, these three wise men, right? No, they're kings, right? Who are they? Oh, we don't know, right? And is that a problem? No, it's not. In fact, I think it's kind of an epiphany a moment of realization for all of us to understand that there are many people in the world and God uses many of them to play certain roles. They don't have to be kings. They don't have to be especially wise. But God uses all of us according to his purpose. We all play a different part. And these anonymous wise men, they're kind of a picture of the Gentiles in manifesting, or in God being manifested to them and them coming to worship him. I think we often think that in order for us to be useful to God, we have to be doing something extraordinary or overt. But God works in the hidden things. God works in our heart. God works in our lives through rather mundane things. Things like other people with flesh and blood. Things like bread and wine and water and word. God works through the mundane to reveal the extraordinary. And that's what we see on the morning of, or on the day of the epiphany. We see God working through normal people. They could have been extraordinary people, but at their root, they were sinners. And he worked through them to find Jesus to give him gifts, and to show everyone that God isn't just a God of one people group anymore, but that there is being a grafting in, and that includes all of us. So let's talk about Herod for a little bit. He wasn't a good guy. He was quite an evil guy. In fact, he had it written like in his will that uh, upon his death, they needed to go and kill certain prominent figures in the city so that there would be a lot of mourning when he died. This is the kind of guy that he was, twisted. And we know what he would do to try and squash Um, this one who might threaten his reign and rule, 
and the evil and atrocity committed in Bethlehem, the slaughter of the holy innocent. He wasn't a good God. And yet, in all of his power as a king, in all of his might as a ruler, being able to command armies, did he really have any power to stand up to God? Did he really have power to thwart God's purpose? And I think this shows us something. No matter what earthly forces would try and set themselves against God, there is no prevailing. Remember what Jesus said to Pilate? You would have no power except it be given to you by God. Certainly the government bears power and authority from God, but when it tries to use that power and authority to stand up to him, we see that it is not successful. God warns these, these men in a dream to not trust Herod, and so they go a different way. I've heard some people say that this was probably a large group of people because they started quite a stir in Jerusalem. Um, we're told that, uh, where is it? It says that Herod was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. That, uh, so they say, well, maybe it was a big group of people. But that's not really the important thing, is it? How many people who would be concerned about a new king being born. We have a tendency to really focus on numbers, on um, how many people are part of the church, how old we are, how things are going, and we all have a heart to see the church grow. But you notice how God grows the church. We never see Jesus worried about how many people are there when he's helping people and teaching to them. He's never focused on the numbers. He's just focused on the people that are in front of him. And you notice when Jesus in his ministry, you know, there'd be times where he'd heal one person or where he'd feed 5,000 people. It didn't matter. In fact, Jesus himself would say, where two or three are gathered in my name. There am I in the midst. There might have been a lot of people there worshiping Jesus that epiphany morning. But it could have also just been two or three. Jesus being revealed to the Gentiles is a big deal. There was a pastor in Europe many years ago during the Black Plague. And he wrote a hymn about the Epiphany after losing much of his congregation, after a lot of people died. And the hymn he wrote is called, O Morning Star, How Fair and Bright. And I want to read a portion of it to, to you. I just have to make sure I... Um, it's number 66 in our hymnal.
And I think this really encapsulates the epiphany in the words of this hymn. He says, O morning star, how fair and bright, you shine with God's own truth and light, a glow with grace and mercy. Of Jacob's race, King David's son, our Lord and master you have won, our hearts to serve you only. Come, heavenly bridegroom, light divine, and deep within our hearts now shine, their light aflame undying. In your one body let us be as living branches of a tree, your life, our lives, supplying. Lord, when you look on us in love, at once there falls from God above a ray of purest pleasure. Your word and spirit, flesh and blood, refresh our souls with heavenly food. You are our dearest treasure. Almighty Father in your Son, you loved us when not yet begun was this old earth's foundation. Your Son has ransomed us in love to live in him here and above. This is your great salvation. Almighty in Father in your Son, you loved us when not yet begun. You see, we've made a lot about how amazing it was that God brought those wise men to find Jesus. But one thing that we often don't realize is that today, the very same thing is happening for us. We sinners, we who sin in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone, the same way God put that star in the sky to lead those wise men to Jesus has put the calling in your heart to lead you to him today, that you would hear his word, that you would receive his sacrament, his body, and his blood for the forgiveness of your sins, that you would behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and in the same way bring him your gifts of praise. You see, there aren't any accidents with God. Those wise men came the way they did because God wanted them to. And you're here today because God wants you here. He wants you to see his son. He wants you to see his salvation and know that it's not just for those people out there, but it's for you. Jesus said, I did not come for the healthy, but the sick. He didn't come for people who have it all figured out. He came for sinners. Those of us who try fail every day. He came for you. And his light shines upon you today. That you would know and be sure that he is God and that he has given his life for your salvation. It is so easy in this world to feel like you're lost in the shuffle. It's so easy to feel like you're lost in a crowd. Like that man standing beside the pool of Bethesda thinking, I have no one. But you have Jesus. And God has revealed that to you. And he is making it manifest to you today that your sins are forgiven. That he has purchased your life with his blood. And that you will live with him eternally. Because he loves you with an everlasting love. You know, when, when hard times come... It's very easy to feel like God does not love us. When somebody dies, when something happens, when tragedy strikes, it's very easy to feel like God has overlooked us. But God doesn't overlook anyone. 
He sees you now right where you are. He knows every hair on your head, and he holds every breath that you breathe in the palm of his hand. He does not forget you. You may be called to endure hardship. In fact, Jesus tells us that that's a certainty. But he also tells us that he has overcome the world. And that there will come a day when there will be a new heaven and a new earth wherein righteousness will reign. Where we won't have to deal with sin and sorrow, but there will be life and happiness. For us and for all those we love who have departed in the faith. God sees you just as plainly as those wise men saw the star. And by his grace, we are here today to see him in that very same way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But this is the promise that God has made us. We remember that part so well, but we often don't remember what Jesus said beforehand. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And now I'm starting to doubt whether or not I got that correct. Yeah, I did get that correct. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I want to close with this picture. In the Old Testament, the people were complaining against God. They loathed the food. They had all sorts of problems. And then there showed up snakes in their camp, poisonous snakes. And they were biting them, and people were dying. And so the people cried out to God for help. And so God commanded Moses to build a serpent of brass and to put it on a pole and to hold it up before the people. And he said that whoever looks on that serpent would be healed. If you want to see what this probably looked at, looked at, look at an ambulance. That snake twisted around the pole, that's where that comes from. The people who designed that wanted people who saw an ambulance to know that healing was on the way. And I think there was a faith in a God who calls himself the great physician involved there. But regardless, Moses does what God commands and he lifts up the serpent and that's what happens. People look at it and are healed. Now I wonder what it must have been like for some of those people who were suffering at that moment. You know, they've been bitten by a snake. Everybody's dying. They know they're dying. And they say, somebody comes in and says, hey, we got an answer. Moses prayed to God and God had him build a serpent of brass and put it on a pole and now all we have to do is go and look at that so come on go look at it how many of us would be like I'm too tired it's not worth it it's not real that's too good to be true he's crazy we'd come up with all sorts of excuses in our flesh right but God revealed to those people something about himself and something that's important for us today You see, the snakes were kind of like a representative of their sin. And so God put the cure in the fashion of their sin. And there's something to repentance in that way, to acknowledge who we are and what we have done, isn't there? But in Jesus, what Jesus is doing is is, is basically foreshadowing or showing us what God is doing through him. 
He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus didn't just become sin, but he took all our sin upon himself. And then he died, and he shed his blood to cover it for us. But really, for us, it's the same thing. Jesus Christ revealed to us that we would look on him and be healed. Now, we don't see him with our eyes. We see him with our ears through faith. But that's the simple truth. Are you afraid of dying someday? Are you afraid of dying and being punished for what you have done? Or perhaps your fears are founded in maybe fearing that God might not be real. Whatever it is that you fear today, hear the word of our Lord and know that it is true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. This promise is for you. And when you come and partake of his holy supper, what he's doing is giving you the medicine of salvation. That's what the ancient church called communion, the medicine of salvation. God doesn't only leave us to behold him with our ears, but in communion, it's our ears and our taste buds. You see, he doesn't just force us to believe in that which we cannot see. That is part of it. But he gives us tangible things to hold on to. But as the psalmist says, we can taste and see that he is good. So today, perhaps there's an epiphany in your heart when you partake of the Lord's Holy Supper. Understand that it's for you. That body and that blood was given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. It be at peace and know that you can weather any storm, any sorrow, any suffering, any trial. Because you're not doing it alone. Because the God who made heaven and earth, the God who made you, is with you to see you through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Almighty God, we come before you giving you thanks for your epiphany and for your revelation to us this morning. We pray, use us to reveal this to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Wednesday night Bible study at 7. The funeral services for Tom Thunberg will be at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Back for visitation hours uh, later on this week. Uh, Jerry Southerton will be our speaker next Sunday, filling in for Pastor Nicholas. Uh, Pastor Nicholas got called to Lake Worth, Florida, to serve their congregation for two different Sundays. Uh, pray for him, safe travels, and uh, the mission that he's going there for. Uh, the following Sunday, uh, January 21st, uh, Dan Salo will be our speaker. And then the Jamie Aho benefit is set for January 28th, Sunday, from 11.30 to 2 p.m. Next Sunday, we'll have a short meeting for anyone that can help with the fundraiser. That'll be after our service. Uh, coffee following our final song.
we will sing hymn 366, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, states, Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. If you have repented of your sin, if you believe that the body and blood of Christ are present under the bread and wine and are given for the forgiveness of your sins, if you love your neighbor and share in the confession and unity of this congregation, if you desire by God's grace to live according to his word, then you are truly worthy and welcome to partake of this holy sacrament. Luther states that it comes down to the words for you that they require all hearts to believe. Let us now pray with and for them who are now partake of the Lord's holy supper. Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of life, grant that thy holy communion may be a blessing to all those who today shall partake of it that through the power of thy body and blood they may receive peace and comfort to their souls and be strengthened in faith, love, and a lively hope of eternal life. Amen. 
Truly it is meet, right, and blessed that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who on the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had break it and given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let us confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. who before thy passion distressed and sorrowful to death to us the fruits of thy oblation in thy last supper didst bequeath accept our praise thou bounteous giver or life to every true believer. As oft as we enjoy this blessing, each saint doth declare thy dying love all thoughts perpassing, and while we
witness the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Amen. Dear friends, praise the Lord for his gracious gift of which you have now partaken, and proclaim his death until he cometh again. Truly now you can arise and depart in the peace of the Lord. Amen. and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve your souls in our eternal life. On that raise, raise the Lord for his gracious gift which you have now partaken and proclaim his death until he comes again. Arise and depart in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ.
strengthen and preserve your bodies and souls unto, unto eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord for his gracious gift, of which you have now partaken, and proclaim his death until he cometh again. Truly believe the rise and depart in the Amen. Save by grace. 
body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve your body and soul unto eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord for this gracious gift which you have now partaken and proclaim his death until he cometh again. 
Arise and depart in the peace of the Lord.
this, the true body and blood of your Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Amen. Dear friends, praise the Lord for his gracious gift, of which you have now partaken, and proclaim his death until he cometh again. Truly now you can rest in the peace of the Lord. Amen. Okay. Um, we will add hymn 383. What a friend we have in Jesus. Three hundred eighty-three. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to give thanks and pray. We thank thee, O Lord, almighty God, that thou hast refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we beseech thee, that of thy mercy thou would strengthen us through this communion in faith toward thee and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Ghost, and one Godhead from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. Now lift up your head and your heart and receive the Lord's benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. 
The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hymn 58.
Say 